can't use that tall thing. Too short. <laughs> Learned that about myself recently. <laughs> uh, well, good morning, church. Feels uh, with the family, living out the gospel, spending time with his first calling. That's his family. Uh, he's uh, they're in the redwoods. I was wanted to do that when I was younger on a motorcycle. I kind of feel like an ant, you know, cruising through there. Uh, a couple of uh, announcements. Food bank. It's April 9th and 10th. We had um, some of you showed up early, and we had announced our slides on. The Tuesday night Bible studies this week have been put on hold. Um, is it starting back the week after? Yes. Okay. It's just for spring break. Oh, spring, spring break. break. That's yeah. right. That's, that's empty nesters. We don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> spring break. <laughs> uh, Good Friday, um, April 2nd, we're going to have a worship service. Haven't really decided what that's going to look like yet. Uh, I've been praying about it, spending some time in, with the Lord and asking him what, uh, what we should do there. Uh, Easter, April 4th, we'll have the sunrise service at the Berry Patch, 7 a.m. it says. Um, and if you guys don't know where that is, that's 1553 17 Road. It's in the bulletin for last week. We don't have bulletins this week because that's what Phil does. And I don't know how to do that. Uh, so that's why we don't have bulletins today. But praise God, we are doing bulletins. We are serving coffee. It feels somewhat normal. Um, yeah, I'm ready for some normalcy. April 11th, we're going to have the Gideons and come and visit. And Secret Church on April 23rd. April 25th, we're going to have a potluck and barbecue cook-off out at the Andrews Place. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, from what I understand, it's going to be a competition. Um, we're going to have little notes and you can pick and choose which one's your favorite i'll let you know which one's mine and uh that way you can pick mine and i can win <laughs> i need a win right now actually i gotta win thank you god um so yeah Whew. thanks to ray for coming out last week for those of you that um didn't see that, um, and you were at home watching, I apologize. We discovered that the live feed was not feeding his mic. We got it fixed, I think. So, um, but yeah, thanks to Ray and Candace for coming out. And again, I just can't express how excited I am that our pastor is on mission for missions. I think that's um, a very important thing. So, um, one thing I'd like to share with you guys, I got a letter. Um, it's like show and tell. I haven't done this in a while. Um, when we had our clean out day, we've we've had this, you know, we've there's so much stuff in here. And part of that was chairs. And we filled this place up as full as we thought it needed to be. Um, and if, you know, something changes we got to add, we'll figure that out. But in the time being, we needed space. We needed room. We were pushing out our kids. We are pushing out the food bank, pushing out the worship team to store chairs. So we donated 65 chairs to uh, Harvest View Church. It's a new church plant in Clifton. And um, God's already working through them. It's really awesome to see. Um, we just, it's awesome, 
right? So they sent us this letter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this at the back of the room today. Um, you guys can kind of read it, but um, from the pastor. Hey, Kenya West Church, thank you so much for blessing us with the chairs. Definitely an answer to prayer. Thank you for your graciousness. Blessings, Matt. He's the pastor out there. Super great guy. We've been trying to meet up oh, for like, well, ever since we gave him the chairs. So ever since that cleanup day, we've been trying to uh, meet up and go to lunch. and well, It'll happen. I, I look forward to working with them more. I, I think it's very healthy and encouraging and great to work with other churches and, and break down these crazy walls that we put up ourselves, you know? So... Okay, when I first found out I was preaching, I told Amanda, and she says, yes, oh, early out church day. <laughs> Let, me Let me say that again so everyone can hear, make sure. <laughs> she said, yes, early out church day. <laughs> so, I actually think she was chanting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but good news, um, you, we've seen this video, and it came with sermon outlines, so we're going to like 2 o'clock today, I promise. <laughs> Just kidding. So today's message, God's voice in the thunder, and I, I'm going to actually, I, I was, <laughs> I'm going to back up and tell you this story, because it, it's, it's so amazing how God works, it's so amazing how he puts things in your life, tools, resources, whatever you need, right? Um. I got this outline like a month ago, over a month ago. Phil's been planning. He's like, I've got to get out of here. Um, and in that, he says, you know, you can use this outline, or you could do your own thing and make your own whatever. Um, but this is just kind of like what the video is about, and um, we could use this if you need it necessary, if you feel necessary. I was like, I can use that. Why would I do that? It wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be me. It wouldn't be my message. It wouldn't be from my heart. And then I lost my job. I lost my job. My mind went to every negative possible thought that you could have, right? I don't deserve to see my friends right now. I don't have a job. I can't uh, go and have dinner with my wife because that costs money and I don't have a job. And I, every time I'd go down to like write scripture, I'd think, okay, am I going to be able to provide? What happens if I can't provide? Now what am I going to do here? And what am I going to do there? What am I gonna... Just ridiculous thoughts, okay? God provided this outline. And a brother this morning, Vernon, Reminded me that even if I'm going to say that this is not my message and I'm concerned about that, it was never my message. Ever. It's God's message. So today we're going to go through this and we're going to learn about God's voice in the thunder. <laughs> and if I'm going through anything right now, it's thunder. <laughs> Funny how that works, right? Okay, I got a story here. Was, uh, a youth pastor came up with this story. He said when his mother was a little girl, she was raised by an aunt and uncle. She lived in a small house, um, and with them, their aunt lived there as well. The aunt was terrified of thunderstorms. Uh, it was a long-held fear that wasn't going anywhere. If a thunderstorm came, they would sit, the whole family would sit in the middle of the kitchen around the table and patiently wait it out. 
due to fear. It didn't matter if you were tired, if you had work, school, if it was thundering and, and you, were, you were all awake and you would be sitting around the table. So his mother got married, grew up, grew up first, then got married, um, had kids of their own, and decided that her boys were never going to be afraid of thunderstorms. So when one came along during the day, she would take her boys out and sit on the front porch and play, and they would, they would say, who could, see the, who could see the lightning first? She then taught them, how many of you know this trick? She then taught them, like, if you see the lightning and you start counting, that's how many miles away it is. So she started teaching them how to do that. Well, Boy Scouts like doing that, too. Um, so both this youth pastor and his brother, to this day, they love thunderstorms. They love counting the, the lightning, the time between the lightning strike and the thunder. Um, but there's something about the thunder that makes the hairs on your back stand up. It says something like, Something big is coming. If you go to a movie with your spouse or on a date what's out with some friends, do you need to be at the seat when the trailer begins? It's the coming attractions part of the movie that you're going to experience. I remember as a kid sitting in school and seeing the first snowflakes of the year and saying Christmas is coming, being excited for that, right? I did see one of the craziest thunderstorms in my life when I was furthest away from God. And it was something that was like, that stuck with me. Maybe for this message today, I don't know. Not one of the, I seen one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen was I was at a friend's house on Thanksgiving and um, the storm comes in and it's November, you know? So this lightning or this lightning and thunder, lightning and thunder, and we're sitting there hanging out, and we go outside just to check it out, like that same thing. Count, count how far away it is. And in that storm, we would see this lightning, and it was snowing. And it would just light up the sky like nothing I'd ever seen before. Talk about God's glory and how he's, like the message is, he's always watching. He's always giving us treats. He's always loving on us. He wants us to be there wants us to see his presence. It says we studied with some friends the other night that you will know God through nature, right? Do you remember the sound of the bus coming over the hill? Did you get excited over the sound of one page of the calendar being torn away, leaving a brand new month front and center? What if the thunder is not in the distance? What if the storm's right where you are? Full of lightning, full of snow, full of thunder. This moment that we're talking about in Scripture today is just like that. Jesus is talking about his death. He has hinted at it before, but this time he's saying it outright. So the words are, I am going to die. Scripture says, my soul is troubled. What a, person's vo- what a person's voice sounded like to who has a troubled soul. What does a, bleh, what does a person's voice sound like who has a troubled soul? Think of the music that you would hear sit, sitting at a blues bar in New Orleans listening to a singer make his guitar weep. 
pretty interesting that they use this that frame that phrase. Um, songs out there about that um, yeah. New Orleans there's actually a there's a festival a blues festival down in that area in Louisiana it's actually not in New Orleans but it's called King Biscuit and as a young musician is like where I wanted to be like when you picture a music festival you think big stage big lights hang out all day all night well this King Biscuit um, concert or festival is actually just a street and it's people's literally their, it's their houses and it's the people of the town generations among generations among generations passing down their tradition of their blues roots and to me when they're talking about hearing my guitar weep that's what I picture because it's so personal and so close right and that's how God intended this, all of this. We have these big other things, but that's not. And that works, and God uses that. I'm not trying to take away from that, but it's a personal relationship, right? It's close. So the words being said, the words that are being said is, My soul is troubled, but the event is thunder itself. I love how the scriptures say some people heard thunder. Other heard the voices of God. Some say angels were speaking to them. Jesus talks about wheat here. His audience is primarily farmers, people who work the land. They know about seed pods. It's kind of like blowing on a dandelion. Or better yet, maybe you think about a piñata. A piñata a a pinata is broken. If a piñata is not broken, it hasn't been used yet. It must be broken. For it to serve its purpose. Much like our Savior. Amen. Once you blow on that dandelion, once you break open that pinata, it's never going back. Ever. This is Jesus in a not going back moment. He tells them about light. One light in a dark room changes the room. If the lights in your house go off during a thunderstorm, what's the first thing you look for? A candle. Or nowadays, cell phones or whatever. What's the second thing you look for? Another candle. Some more cell phones. Whatever it takes to get more light, right? This is Jesus in a not going back moment. One light in a dark room changes everything. If the light's in your house, like I said, you whip out a flashlight, you're looking for more lights. You change the room with one light, it's not a dark room anymore. You can't walk around in darkness. Jesus is the light. That light gets used to finding other lights. At this point, no one can say it's a dark room anymore. You can close your eyes and you can bump into things, but that doesn't make it a dark room. There's light. It's being passed around. You can see it or not. Our choice. Our choice to see the light. I saw the light. In the beginning of the sermon, it said that I should sing this little light of mine. 
And I was like, I think I'll do I saw the light. So what kind of church are we going to be? The light is already here. Jesus was the light, and he calls everyone who came to see him children of light. This room, this world, it is not dark anymore. Our job is to find more lights. It's funny how our pastor wants to do more missions. The more lights you create, the easier it is going to be to find even more lights. We are children of the light. In our text today from John 12, 20 through 33, this is the way the audience feels. The time is during the week of Passover. Jesus has been watching the throngs of people all over the countryside and beyond their way into Jerusalem and thus the temple to celebrate. There's a special sense of electricity and anticipation in the air because the whole crowd who was in town had been buzzing about Jesus' actions in recent days. This, is, this one from Galilee has cleansed the temple and made the court of the Gentiles free from the chaos that has taken up residence on the inside of what was intended to be, to be designated as the entrance to the holy ground. He drove out the animals and those that were scamming the people coming to worship and pay their temple tax. Sorry, I got it. Yes, Jesus had caused quite an uproar, as we see in John 2. Then a few chapters later, the Son of God really gave them good gossip to spread among the Jerusalem countryside. He had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead in John 11, and such news had spread like wildfire among the people. His popularity had risen among the Jews and Gentiles alike. Um, what Jesus was about to do next, if he had no fear of the religious leaders and in the temple and if death was not an issue to overcome um, with a word to his deceased friend now alive well again what would it be like to sit down face to face with him and have a conversation unless they asked for some time with the Lord these Greeks who had come into town to worship and celebrate the Passover might not know it never hurts to ask so they did. What would start as an invitation to Jesus from some Greeks would quickly turn into a response about death and what was about to happen in the coming days for Jesus. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip went up and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. How many of you are farmers? I'm stopping going on right now. I'm like, what? When I first read this, I said, what? Because I, I, let me read this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit and in my first response my simple little mind I'm like how can something die and bear fruit because I didn't understand did some search in there 
And um, it's pretty obvious after a minute. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves, right? So as we die to ourselves, surrender to him, we will bear much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in the world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and the crowd that stood there and heard it said it ha had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come from your sake, for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I am, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said, this is to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Scholars differ, uh, scholars differ about the actual location of this part of Jesus' story. Uh, yes, it was in Jerusalem, but was it in the home? Is it in the temple? Um, is it on a street? We just don't know. Um, what we do know is that these Greek men really wanted to spend some time with Jesus, experience all the rumors that they'd been hearing. Perhaps it was indeed inside the temple borders. Jesus, a Jewish man, could have been located in a place that was off limits to Greeks and other Jews. Perhaps these Greek men saw Philip, a disciple with a fellow Greek name, walking through the court of the Gentiles were both Jew and and Greek would have been allowed. Perhaps these Greek men were so thankful that Jesus had cleaned up this outer part of the temple in the court of the Gentiles where they finally could attempt to worship in peace that they would just uh, that they just wanted an audience with one who had such power over to overthrow and clean up such corrupt system of the religious rituals and merchants. I love that about Jesus does two things for him. Thank you. He could tell. We get so caught up in what's right, what's wrong, religion this, religious that. And Jesus came and talked to the very people who thought they had it so right. He said, you missed it by that much. He talked about love. He was never... He's still just, but he talked about love and that the laws and the rules had kind of gotten in the way of the relationship with the Lord. We do that. We're so guilty of judging our brothers and sisters. And I think what this, this was not just about, at this moment it's about Jews, but for now, for us, it's about being open to discussion. You know, there's stuff that we've, will always lay our life down, you know, Jesus died on the cross, rose on the third day. But it's okay to, to talk. It's okay to have discussion. And I love that that Jesus did this, that he came in and 
wrecked with everything that was normal. So the Greek men approach Philip, who turn approaches Andrew, and in turn seeks out Jesus to bring forth their request for an audience. Verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who were from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went up, told Andrew, Andrew and Philip went up and told Jesus. They had nothing to lose and everything to gain. If Jesus declined, they were no worse than where they were at. But if he said yes, then what might be the next moments of their lives and what might be in store for them on that day? So they made the request and then waited for his disciples to relay the message. While Jesus listened to the request of the two of his disciples on, his beh on behalf of the Greek men, Jesus responds with words that added weightiness to the moment. In a sense, these Greeks just wanted to have coffee with Jesus, and he just starts talking about impeding death through agricultural metaphors. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and it dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for his purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. It's difficult to imagine how Jesus could have been able to keep his emotions in check. I can't even keep my emotions in check after losing my job. And here the Son of Man, willingly giving up his life. His glory would come not first with a crown, but with a cross. The time was at hand. His hour had come. The moment was upon him that he had left the majesty and worship of heaven for three decades earlier. All hell was about to break loose on his life so that all heaven might be experienced by those who would ever call him their Lord. The only way for such things to unfold it for his life is to be a single kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies and when it does such a sacrificial death produces much fruit Jesus tells us or Jesus tells his friends that the conditions of his soul is such a consequential thought is troubled the verb the, the verb troubled is from the word to sorrow, which literally means to shake or to stir up. It is used in a context that implies strong or severe mental and spiritual ag ag agitation that disrupts one on the inside. Jesus uses the verb in perfect tense, which means this was something that he was dealing with on the inside, and it was an ongoing struggle. 
He could not quit thinking about it. He could not quit thinking about what was about to happen to him and all the pain and anguish that was about to fall on him with not just with such force. He who knew he who knew no sin was about to become sin on behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange was about to take place as the innocent one might become guilty so that the guilty might become innocent. Jesus was not on his way to the cross in an unemotional or detached kind of frame of mind. He was shaken to the core. He was emotionally or emotional. It was just, he could not handle what was about to happen. When I, uh, before I became a believer, and Amanda was working on me, let me rephrase that, God was working on me through Amanda. She had a, she has a sister that uh, lived at the time in, in uh, Southern California. And, um, I, I was like, I'm not signing up for any church. I don't want any part of that business. I don't need God. I got myself. And um, every time I go to California, I have to go to some crazy Christian church with a rock band. <laughs> and I'd be like, that's not church. I love the music, but that's not church. And um, one, one Thanksgiving, we were down there, and they took, took us to uh, see The Passion. I think it was like first when The Passion came. And um, as I was reading this, this is all I could think about, is that movie and the suffering that Jesus, you want to wreck your afternoon, go watch that when you get home. Because the amount of suffering that he dealt with, he went willingly, freaked out, but went willingly. I think as church, we often, you know, we talk about how God went, or how Jesus went to the cross for us, and we always say us, and we always say us. And he did go for us. But the bigger picture is that he went for you individually, willingly. It just happens to be us. I lost my spot, but that's okay. Concerning the hour leading to Jesus' death, biblical scholar John MacArthur writes words of great consequence. All of the truths in the Christian faith, the death of Jesus Christ, accompanied with his resurrection, is the most precious. He did not die. He had not died. If he had not died, there would be no substitute for sin. Where there no substitute, were there no substitute, there would be no offer of salvation. Where no salvation, there would be no hope. And without no hope, the future would be nothing but hell. Yes, it was Jesus' death that was about to happen. And his death was the hour that he had come to live for. His death is what had been foretold by the prophets of old, even through Israel even though Israel did not comprehend it. 
The Old Testament clearly portrays that the Messiah was to come and to die. Some of the places in the Old Testament that speak about Messiah's death and the details with that surrounded are Zechariah 12.10, and it says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and place for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him who they have perceived, they shall mourn for him, as one mourns for only a child, and weep bitterly over him, as one weeps over a firstborn. Psalm 41, 9, foretells of his betrayal. Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who I ate bread, has lifted his heel against me. Zechariah 11, 12 through 13, speaks of the price that paid speaks of the price paid to betray the Messiah. Then I said to them, It seems good to you. Give me my wages. But if not, keep them. And they weighed out many wages, 30 pieces of silver, as many wages as 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it out to the throw it to the potter, the lordly price which I was priced by them. So I looked so I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Isaiah 56 tells of the physical abuse of Christ, um, tells about the physical abuse that Christ would suffer at on his trial. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. When I read this, I was like, I, I don't ever remember this scripture. I remember reading that, and I think that there, uh, if that paints, if that don't paint a picture, I think that's that, that's for us. Like, like we, we memorize a lot of scripture. I might memorize that one. Psalm twenty-two, six through eight, fourteen through eighteen speaks. Christ's death by crucifixion. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by all the people, despised by all the people. All who see all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and my clothes they cast lots. <sighs> Psalm sixty-nine twenty-one speaks of what would unfold for Jesus on the cross when they tried to give him something to drink and help of his thirst. They gave me poison for food, and for my first thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Psalm thirty-one five. 
into your hand. I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O faithful God. 3420 depicts that no none of the Messiah's bones would be broken after his death. He keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Of course, the most well-known and referred Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah's, Messiah's death is found in Isaiah 52, 13 and 53, 12, known as the suffering servant passages. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For what for that which has not been told to them see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed that who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root dug out of the ground had form or majesty, had no form or majesty that we would look at him, and no beauty that we would see desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely has borne surely he has borne our griefs and carried out our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for this generation who considered that he was cut off. Cut off out of the land of the living. Stricken for the transgression of many people. And they made his grave with, with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall, see, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge shall the righteous one. By, the, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous he shall bear their iniquities therefore I divide him in a, 
divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. All of these Old Testament prophecies and many more not referenced today are what caused Jesus to be troubled in his soul. He was now approaching the hour when all had been foretold would come to fruition on his own life. As much as, we, as, much as he would have liked to have the Father remove the cup of wrath that was in front of him, Jesus knew that it was for this very hour had come that this mission of redemption and rescue and that was, was part of the plan. No cross of suffering would mean no crown of glory. And it was for the glory of God that Jesus was most interested. John 12, 28, 30. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Amen. Jesus was locked into the mission at hand. He had already had his father's approval. He had heard him speak both at his baptism and on the mount for a trans mount of transfiguration. Those moments when the voice of God thundered were to bolster the soul of Jesus. However, this thundering voice in heaven in John 12 was for the benefit of those who would watch the events on their horizon unfold. Still at this point in the story, they did not know what to ex expect in full. Even though Jesus had told them plainly in previous conversations what would take place, um, the present just felt like something was about to happen, even if they could not articulate what it was. Verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw, will draw all people to myself. He said to this, show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus wraps up this soliloquy to the invitation to meet with the Greeks by speaking of the events about, about to happen. Satan was to be cast out as Jesus spoke of his own approaching death on the cross and his death primary his death was the primary purpose of incarnation. The constant theme of his teaching and the central subject of apostolic preaching without the cross any gospel preached is not a true gospel. For it is the cross that led to the rescue and the fulfillment of all of Jesus, all of that Jesus came to do, save his people from their sins. The beauty behind these words spoken in reference to the Greek's invitation is to see Jesus as that was about the, is that all that was about to happen, to include not only Jews, but also Gentiles and all generations to come. Jesus spoke about the seed falling into the earth and dying thrust 
to thus produce more fruit. He was talking about a wider harvest of people from all nations, tribes, and races that would belong in the family of God, reaching far beyond the borders of Israel and the Jews. Jesus saw the Greeks first among them. Jesus saw the Greeks as the first among many who would have, have access into the family of God. And all of this made possible by his death on the cross. Amen. So much is about to happen at this point in the story found in John 12. However, the walk to the cross still had to take place. As the sacrificial lamb would be slain once and for all, that would cause celebration of thanksgiving and hope greater than anyone could anticipate at the time. Jesus knew it was all about to happen. They clo those closest to him on that day just felt like something was about to happen. And they couldn't have been more right. Amen? So let's close in prayer. Father, thankful that you provide. We are thankful that where we are inadequate, you are perfectly adequate. That as we grow in our walk, we understand that as you died for us on, this, on the cross, that it was a personal, close, touching thing. That you went willingly. Even though you knew how painful How stressful and how ugly it was going to be Lord you chose to walk to your calling to your suffering for me for the world no one was left out so God we pray for moments of, to be able to speak your name we pray for opportunities that through our daily lives, while in our going, we are able to speak the name of Jesus. That in those moments, the Holy Spirit comes upon us in a way and speaks the words that we feel we're not capable of speaking. That again, when we feel inadequate, we remember that you are fully adequate. Lord, be with our pastor and his family as they are traveling this week. That they're getting to enjoy your, your creation, your wonders, Lord, that when they look up, they see you. Bless them. Go before them. Protect them. God, we just want to lift them up. That without, without them... We're thankful that they are, are, are willing to commit to their calling. That they are obedient in serving. And that in that serving, they are just so humble and loving. God, we love you so much. We pray these things in your son's name, Jesus.
to say, Barb, is there food? 